Hi, welcome to the morebusiness.com podcast. My name is Raj Kara, and I'm joined today by Dr. Jeff Kaplan. He's an executive leadership coach, and our topic is how to increase your influence as a leader, especially for people who are new to leadership and those who are uh, in leadership roles right now. Influence is one of the most important parts of your role, parts of your job, parts of what you do. So we're going to talk about why influence is so important, uh, what gets in the way of being more influential, and also how you can develop your influence. So Jeff, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Raj. Great to uh, be here. Good to see you again. Well, let's start talking about why influence is very important. Let's First of all, you, know, you can be amazing at, at your job, but if nobody knows, then too bad for you. <laughs> and you, know, you can actually be lousy at the actual expectations of what you're supposed to deliver. But if you can influence others, at least it gives you a cushion uh, for you to catch up. You know, when I think about the world and how it's changed in the last 30 years, right? So we've become much more flat or less, or less hierarchical, but we've become much more global, right? We've become much more matrixed. We've become much more diverse, right? And so, you know, whereas say 30 years ago, you could get away by telling, getting people to do what you want them to do because, well, you're the boss, that doesn't work anymore. And, you know, with millennials, it, you know, who, and, and Gen Z's, they're more than half the workforce and they want to be emotionally connected to their manager and the work. If you don't know how to influence others in ways other than your position or authority, you are not going to uh, survive much longer in the sort of world that we live in today. Influence is really critical. And it's not just, uh, you're right, the, the position that you're in because you have a certain job title that that quote unquote, entitles you to influence. It's also the way you communicate with people. I think that ties around emotional intelligence and lots of other ways that you can actually have those dialogues. So what kinds of things gets in the way, get in the way? Uh, being a narcissist is one thing that gets in the way. Yeah, um, we'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, if you make it all about you, right? People see right through that, right? If you're always looking after, you know, you first and rather than, you know, consistently serving the needs of the organization uh, and looking after others. You know, if you haven't built any equity, you haven't earned any brownie points, uh, you know, you've got nothing in your well to pull from when you need somebody to do something, right? Not being, not being good at building and maintaining relationships, doing things, you know, you talked about kind of emotional intelligence, like making people really upset. Um, like that has a long tail. Like you could say, yeah, but I'm like nice 99% of the time. Okay. So once I was kind of like a real jerk, I'm like, yeah, well that once is what they're going to remember. Right. If you, if you, if, if you do that kind of damage and don't do any damage control, that will definitely get in the way. Well, so then the heart of it goes to how do you build your influence? What can you do to develop your influence? Uh, especially in this leadership role where you could be a CEO, you could be managing a small team. You could be managing a large team of people. Uh, you know, this goes to, to the heart of motivation. How do you start doing that? What are the things that people look for? And then what are some of the common mistakes people make? So let's well, start so with the, one, what do they do? Yeah. So one of the first things I would do is, you know, make sure you get like a 360 assessment, right? 360 feedback, right? So find out what people really think about you, right? You know, perhaps hire a coach to help you understand and interpret and then take action on that. Maybe also do like a personality assessment, like a Hogan. Right? So first you want to gather data, right? So how much influence do I currently have? Like, how do people particularly see me now? I always say what's great about 360 is they're already thinking it about you. 
Now you get to know what they're thinking, right? And so if you want to influence how they see you, right, which then influence your ability to be successful, then how great that we can start with what they, what knowing what they already see. So I would say start there, right? Another one is to obviously build, develop, and maintain strong relationships across all levels. Like some people are so transparently, you know, just trying to like uh, get in good with, you know, the people they see as like, you know, uh, the most important people in the organization, but, you know, that can change on a dime, right? And so making sure that you, you know, build, develop relationships and to that extent, help others, right? You know, help solve other people's problems. That gives you equity that will then have those folks more interested in helping you. Also deliver value, right? Like make sure that you're actually delivering value for the organization. That gives you the ability to influence. If you're not getting things done, you haven't built or really done much around relationship building. You lack self-awareness of seeing how you're coming across to others. Like you don't have a whole heck of a lot to stand on when you're trying to influence other people. You know, one of the things that I recommend when um, people, not just leaders, but also uh, people inside the organization that are doing the work is to come really prepared to every single meeting. And you can do this fairly easily. Um, most companies have metrics that they want to achieve every quarter. Uh, and so what I recommend is creating a personal, very personalized 30, 60, 90 day plan. Every quarter, go in and know what you're going to accomplish uh, in line, that's in line with the, what the company needs to have accomplished. And then keep track of it. Just have a document or a spreadsheet open up that every week you put something into so that when you go into meetings, you can say, well, here's what I worked on last week. These are the things that I came up with. This is the way we can solve some of the problems that we're having. This also helps you tie in with, with your annual reviews because you've got this really nice document of all the stuff that you've actually done. And I think that kind of stuff carries weight, especially when you're talking to uh, other people that you need to influence inside the organization. So I find just like simple documentation of what you're doing makes a big difference too. Well, for sure. And yeah, and you know, you talked about being prepared, I'd say being over-prepared for the meeting, right? So think about the stakeholders in the meeting, right? So you have the topic, you have any, your piece of it, like if you're presenting, right? And then, you know, thinking ahead of time, okay, who are the people? What are their agendas, right? Their obvious agendas, like their stated agendas and their hidden agendas. Right, what's important to them? What are their priorities? Right, where are they stuck? Right, and then this topic: what are you know wh where where am I to get some curveballs? Where can I add value? Right, that people aren't even expecting. You know, well, you know, you're talking about whatever, whatever, and you're like, yeah, well, you know, I, you know, yesterday I was reading about you know you know our competitor you know did X. Right, oh wow, really? Wow, you know, and so you know, and so just coming in not just fully prepared for the meeting, fully understanding the people in the room and being prepared for the kinds of things they might throw out, but being open prepared, being having a couple of things in your back pocket, not shoving it out there just so that, you know, you look great, but having it ready if it's appropriate. You know, that's really important too, right? Because sometimes you might read an article that could be useful and in a broader context, hey, I read something in the Harvard Business Review that was talking about some of the things that we discussed last week. Uh, here's uh, the link, here's a copy, uh, here's what the summary of the points. Uh, you know, when it comes to being overprepared, I'll, I'll share a story. One time I was interviewing one of the, um, one of my brand new team members. He was about to come on board, but we, we wanted to have a really thorough interview. Uh, Damien Plemez, uh, one of my favorite engineers that I've ever hired. 
uh, he came into the interview so incredibly prepared, it blew me away. Here's what he did. So he walks in. First of all, he's got several copies of his resume already printed out because people always need a copy, right? You, even though you might have emailed your resume, yeah. sent it out, always bring copies. So one, you're prepared right there. He was dressed up, very nice, professional attire, which I think another thing is really important in influences how you physically come across. If you look like a bum, ah, some people might just like think, you know, the, 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 you're going to look that way. You're going to come across that way. So he was dressed very professionally. He had his phone on mute. So just those three things, ready to go out of the gate. And then we start talking. So we do the standard interview, have all kinds of questions. And then I leave some time at the end where he could ask questions too. And not only did he ask questions, he started saying, well, I created a trial version of your product. And here's what I found. And he came with printouts of stuff that he'd found on our product. I was blown away. There's nobody we've interviewed that actually had done all that. They had to just talk about our product. They might've read our website, but this guy actually created a trial account. Could you imagine walking into an interview saying, I think I can help you improve this page, this feature, this kind of thing. So then I was, I was completely blown away, but it didn't end there. You know what else he did next? He says, so I also created trial accounts on your competitors' websites, and this is what they have. And here's how you compare with them. I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, the guy had me eating out of his hands. We hired him right on the spot. Fantastic experience. And I think, would it take him maybe an hour's worth of preparation? Not even that. It was so quick to prepare for something like this. But when he went in, boy, he had more influence over us than we did ever. We, we wanted to make sure that we hired him before anybody else did. And did he so. maintain that work ethic, curiosity, and delivering value throughout his employment? He did. He did. In fact, uh, yeah, that, that's a, like it was a characteristic of him. He was exactly. curious. You know, and so, uh, so like delivering that kind of value, I think it's just so critical, making sure that people see that you're not just following orders, that you're, he, you're thinking. Yeah, you know what? It also touches on actually really liking what you do, right? So you know, like that guy liked this stuff. He had fun doing it, right? Like he probably has much fun doing it. It, it was, yeah. for him, it was more about wanting to do it and getting excited about that than it was about trying to impress you in the interview, right? Um, that's what it came as a consequence, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you like what you do and others see it, that is definitely a way to develop influence. Yeah. It was very natural. There was no, there was no, um, it wasn't forced or anything like that. You didn't, you didn't feel like it was being manipulative. He was just very genuinely. The, the other thing that that example interest. brings up that I, if nothing else, I would, want the your listeners to take away is serving the organization, right? Earlier when we were talking, you know, I was aware that if you over, if you overemphasize everything, everything we said, I, you know, a thousand percent on board, I stand behind, but, but, but if, if you overemphasize it, you know, and you miss the piece about who are you serving, right? And if it all seems so calculated and disingenuous, oh, there goes Bob you know, trying to impress us all again and show us how wonderful and smart he is and prepared he is, right? Then you're definitely missing the point. And the way that you do everything we said, but also stay anchored and centered and avoid that kind of, um, you know, gossip about you is that the purpose is to always serve the organization. Your engineer interviewee was serving your needs and the needs of the organization in his preparation. And the consistency the anchor is all about 
whatever you're doing, you're doing in service of the organization and along the side of it, supporting others. You're supporting others, serving the organization, not make it about you, and don't be a narcissist, and be over-prepared, keep your list you know, of, of your contributions and things like that, and maintain self-awareness about what other people think of you, then you're at least 80% of the way there. Well, okay, so we talked about uh, really briefly about dress code uh, as a, a factor in influence. I think in many organizations, it does play a role. Um, let me talk about another topic, and this is a challenging one for some folks. How do you manage, and I have my own opinions on this, so I'm going to ask you what you think here. So how do you manage someone who is older than you, has been in the workforce longer than you, but it, you are now leading? Yeah. Well, now let's say that you come from you know, some Asian countries or, you know, sort of out in that sort of geographic area, right? Um, and your whole bringing up, right, it is, you know, age, right, is a, an authority type thing, right? And so first of all, it kind of starts there, right? Because not everybody has an issue with that, right? Um, but it goes back to, it's not about you and it's not about them. It's not about hierarchy, right? It's about we're, we're all here as stewards in the role that we play. And don't ever think that you're more important than the role that you're playing. So if my role is your boss and you're 20 years high, you know, older than me, wow, how can I best leverage your years of experience? The fact that you've taken so many more breaths than I have. You have so, so much different experience. Where can we, we leverage that you know, to help you know, us be hugely successful? And by the way, you know, direct report, who's 20 years older than me, you know, let's have a conversation. You know, you know, one of the things I noticed is that, you know, you're clearly older than me. Um, I'm curious, like, any thoughts about that? Do you have any concerns about that? Like, how do you feel about, you know, reporting to someone who's, you know, younger than you? And just have an honest, open, transparent conversation and put all the cards out on the table. And then say they say, well, yeah, it's a little weird. And quite frankly, I should have gotten the job, you know? And like, that's, well, thank you so much for your courage and your openness. Like, that is hugely helpful. I could imagine, like, if you didn't say that, we just kind of, you know, be bopping along. And I had no idea that you completely resented the fact that I was in this role and, you know, for a lot of reasons. And so how can we, how, how can I, how can I help you along? And then, so last thing I'll say about this is you want to make sure that you actually genuinely care about their development. You want to help them, you know, you want to work with them to help them get to where they think they need to go, you know, but at the same time, you're not going to let them you know, push you around. You're there to support your role and they're there to be in their role. Right. Yeah. And I think that open communication, again, that, I mean, that goes to the heart of so many different things. Very important in a situation where you're managing somebody who's a lot older than you. Um, I know I had a situation where I was actually managing people who were in my same age bracket. And, uh, and so it's just somehow for some, it felt a little like weird for that too. Uh, and the way I got around it was to really just have those conversations about have you ever felt like, and then just kind of present a situation that they might be experiencing right now, knowing full well that they'll be like, yeah, I do feel like that because <laughs> you're describing what's happening. Uh, and then, so we have that discussion. So that's, uh, that's been very helpful too. Uh, sometimes I've seen situations where, uh, where folks start to spin cycles. They do lots of activity and they aren't really going anywhere. What are your thoughts on how you can influence somebody to get more focused if they need to, if they're spinning cycles, thinking they're getting somewhere, but they really aren't. 
How, well, do you, how do you present that? To that's them? a great question because and there's a corollary that I've seen a lot where leaders I'm working with, they're working, you know, trying to stay, stay, sticking with the same theme of the older person, where the person that reports to the leader that I'm working with is near retirement. And they're literally, you know, maybe not even thinking they're getting anywhere. They're just spinning their wheels because they're just buying time. You know, they, they should have retired five years ago, but they don't want to. It, it, it's what people are saying is quiet quitting now, right? It's a new yeah, word. Yeah, they're the calling quiet. A lot of that's coming from the, yeah. Yeah, the younger folks, right? Because uh, yeah. they just, you know, don't want to overexert themselves. Yeah, um, but older folks have been doing quiet quitting for a long time, right? That's well, that's, 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 that's so. correct. And particularly, again, around retirement, you know, because usually a lot of times, too, as people get older, this definitely isn't universally true, but they're more resistant to change, right? You know, they've seen, you know, five different, at least to be put into, you know, multiple different bosses and they've seen this change and this change. And you know what? They're not really looking for change in their life, right? So they're trying to buy time, but yet you're held accountable, right? You know, not to mention want to do a good job yourself. So it's having that conversation. So, you know, one of the things I tell people is I say, you know, hey, you know, you know, you know, Bob, so let's talk about, you know, your performance and, you know, how do you think you're doing? And then Bob says, I think I'm doing fine. And I say, you know, I don't. And say, you know, Bob, you know, I, I talked to, you know, so-and-so and I look back at your records. Bob, you have contributed so much to this organization. Like, you know, I mean, even going back 20 years ago, you're the guy that drove this department. You know, this department didn't, this over here department didn't exist before you. And then, you know, I start, first of all, listing all the accolades and all the accomplishments and really, you know, in a most genuine way, like, you know, and yet, you know, the last six months I've struggled, you know, to kind of, um, I've really struggled with, with what I perceive is just kind of a, a, a work output and product that's so beneath you. And, I, and listen, in some ways I, I'd like to just turn a blind eye, but the problem is, it's starting to really negatively impact the rest of the team who are looking at me going, how are you letting him, you know, get away with this? And so I, I have one question for you, right? what legacy do you want to leave behind, right? You've done so much and have accomplished so much. And right now your legacy is going to be the guy that, you know, was the underperformer who's making my job, quite frankly, uh, difficult and isn't really contributing to the rest of the team. Is that the legacy you want to leave behind? And by the way, please don't answer me. This meeting's over. I want to meet with you next Friday at three o'clock. And I want you to be prepared to answer that question. I don't want you to answer. I want you to think about it. And then let's have that what conversation. A, what a beautiful way to phrase that. My God, that is a beautiful way to get someone who is not quite performing to really think about what they want to leave behind. It's the impact, right? When you think about what most of us want to do, especially as we get older, I, I hear this from so many people. What do you want to leave behind? It's impact. I want to have an impact on something. So you could talk about what's the impact you want to have, not just on your organization, but really on yes. the people that work with you. You know, you've got young, impressionable minds. What do you want to have, right? We all can think back to mentors, leaders that we've just sort of adopted as, as our heroes throughout our career saying, I want to be like that person. What do you want to be? Do you want to be that person? I think it's really good. Really nice way to phrase that. Um, what other kinds of things get in the way, Jeff, of having influence in a work environment? Well, the structure of the organization and the changes of the organization. So, you know, we've been focused on kind of the person themselves and how they get in their own way. Well, we have to be honest here and recognize that other things are getting in the way too. Like, or, you know, 
governance structure, you know, boards, um, changes in the industry, changes in the market, um, other pressures that we're getting. I mean, right now, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, being more matrix and glo global, you know, and competitive, right? It's, you know, I was talking to earlier to a colleague today um, about the healthcare space. And, you know, I, you know, I said, you know, probably in like 10 years, there's only going to be seven health systems, you know, across the U.S. He was like, yeah, and that kind of sucks, you know, you know, because, you know, the quality is going down and, you know, so you've got these different businesses in the same industry that in order to save a lot, stay alive, right. They, they have to, you know, they, they, they have to make decisions uh, that may, may not always feel like in the best interest of the employees. And even sometimes it might feel like not the best interest of the customers. And, um, so anyway, so there's all these other pressures that quite frankly, you don't have any control over. What I would say to that is figure out what, what do I, what do I have control over? Right? So what can I do about the things I have control over? What do I have influence of? And so then how can I best positively influence those things I can have influence of? And what are the things that are completely out of my control? Like the weather. And you know what? You just got to let that one go. Right? And you know, cause if you don't have control over it, don't, don't you know, have sleepless nights trying to figure out what you can do differently when you actually have no control over it. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Well, very good, Jeff. Hey, look, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation about influence because as people get into these roles uh, and continue to develop the roles, you really want to maintain that influence and you want to do it without fear because I think fear is just going to kill your company. It's going to kill the motivation inside your staff. Uh, they're going to start looking for new jobs. Uh, that is not a way to have influence. It's really to get people on your side, to get buy-in. Uh, there's one last uh, thought I guess I would leave uh, people with, and that is uh, to get buy-in. You really need to have people say something. It's the words have to come out of their mouth uh, for them to sometimes get buy-in on what you're trying to get them to do and work on. And so if there are ways that instead of talking, you can ask questions and just by them answering the questions, sometimes they may come to that conclusion say, okay, well, here's my action plan going forward. Um, the last thing I do, and I just actually did a recent video on this one, was uh, at the end of every coaching topic, and Jeff, you probably do this too, is I say, tell me what you heard. And that really forces people to, in their own words, interpret that entire dialogue and create some sort of action plan so that one, you can hold them accountable for next time. They can hold themselves accountable for next time uh, that you have that discussion but also um, it gets them to say it. When we hear ourselves say something, when it comes out of our mouth, it's gospel, right? This has got to be the truth. Whereas if we hear someone else say the same exact thing, it's harder to believe. Yeah, and if you feel like there continues to be disconnect, I would say also I want you to just follow up with an email just so we can make sure we're on the same page. I guarantee you they'll be missing something. And mm -hmm. one thing I just want to circle back to, you talked about accountability, you, know, you holding them accountable, them holding themselves accountable. One of the things as a manager, I encourage people to do is then say, how would you like me to hold you accountable? That is a great way to open a dialogue with a new employee and to have a better relationship, especially after doing maybe a performance review or how do you want me to hold you accountable? Excellent, Jeff. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope everybody listening got a lot out of today's conversation, especially as you look to influencing those around you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Ash.